This is part two in the series Through the Eyes of a Child. Maurice and his family had lived an increasingly tense existence as the Germans systematically orchestrated the seclusion and ultimate removal of Jews from Athens. It was now their turn. Part two, arrest and removal. Well, the next major event was in uh, March uh, of 1944, when uh, we we were essentially we were arrested. What happened was that uh, around one o'clock in the morning, German officer with a German soldier and an interpreter knocked on the door. They said they were there to take our father and hold him in the uh, Jewish synagogue and, and uh, overnight and that uh, we had to pack up and join them the next day. Were you awake when he was arrested? Oh yes, we were all, all awake. I mean, we couldn't help it. What was going through your head at that moment? Total b- b- puzzlement about what was going on. I mean, I had no sense of intimidation, no sense of fear. It was just something that was happening, considering the fact that we lived under the fear of Germans. I mean, not fear, but the concern about Germans. Nothing would surprise me in terms of what was happening, you know, know, indicating that uh, the Germans were uh, trying to uh, take the Jews. And how about your mother? My mother was uh, up. The the officer came in with an interpreter, and there was a German rifleman that was with him, and they came into the apartment. So my mother goes up to the officer and tells him that he can stay in the apartment with the interpreter, but the rifleman has to wait outside. Whoa, she was quite the tough one, wasn't she? Oh, absolutely. She, she didn't mince any words. Wow, so and that's 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 exactly her personality. Yeah. And, and so, what did the guy do? It's probably shocked. He 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 shook him up, and he told the guy to wait outside. He <laughs> I mean, wow. there was, he says, you know, she says, what are you afraid of? You know, I mean, this is a German officer that has a sidearm on, and here we are, you know, two kids. <laughs> you weren't exactly going to mount a, uh, you know, an attack. An attack, yes. Yeah. So, but she must have been terrified inside. I have no idea. I think she's, uh, she was really... Uh, very brave. I mean, yes. it was it was real. I don't Very think it was brave. not. It was not out of being terrified. She was indignity yes. of having an a, an armed guard with a rifle inside the apartment. I mean, you know, it takes a lot of room. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is that I think uh, that kids do take their cues from their parents as far as their emotional cues of they look and they see the reaction and they even though they may know other things that are going on if the parent is not afraid then i think the child is much less likely to be afraid wouldn't you say uh probably that has a lot to do with it but i don't think that's the whole thing i think uh 
But certainly, we were uh, raised uh, very independent. Yes. So that uh, emotionally, as as there, as I and mother was always that level. So they take your father to the synagogue. The Germans take your father to the synagogue. Your mother, you, and Albert are in the apartment, and you had to meet him at the synagogue. Is that the way it worked? That's that's the way it worked. Uh, it turns out that uh, some of the families, the husband told the wife to pack up and leave and not to come to the synagogue, but that was very few, very few, I would say. Less very than, few what? Very few, very few families that did not join their father that was in the synagogue. Yes. So the next morning... You you meet your father, all the rest of the family gathers at the synagogue. Then what happened? Well, then they take us to this uh, abandoned Greek army camp called Haidari, and uh, it's right outside Athens with all of our luggage and everything, and they take us there and they intern us for uh, a few days. I can't remember how many days, but... Uh, and when you say you were arrested, was there any sort of systematic process that they went through in, in taking you? Yes. I mean, it was very, very well organized. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things about the Germans is that they kept uh, very elaborate records of all of those things that they did. So historically, all of those you can find probably a list of the of who was in that group right so when i just want to go back cuz you mentioned packing up and i i didn't get to ask this so during the night or in the morning you pack up your things did you have toys i mean how you couldn't take very much did no. you take books what what did you take no we we took our uh things that uh would be uh, useful in 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 a jail, basically, or in prison, such and as clothes, mostly. How about I, valuables? Uh, I don't remember. I hadn't what mother did with her valuables. Father had some money, which was in uh, English sovereign gold pounds that uh, he took with him, which he used to to buy things. Even in the concentration camp, you could, uh, in in the in the first few months, uh, there was training in that you could buy stuff. You're taken to this abandoned warehouse. How, how many people? Uh, abandoned barracks. Abandoned barracks. So how many Jews, roughly, were there? Uh, I mean, I think there were about a hundred and forty. Is my uh, my in my memory, I think uh, I have a, a list of everybody that was there. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. But um, I think it's roughly 100, 120, 140. When you got there, did you recognize other people? Oh, absolutely. They were all uh, people that uh, most of the people knew each other. And you probably had relatives who were part of that group? Uh, no, we did not have any relatives. Okay. 
but you did know people. And yes. there were children. Were there a lot of children? Oh, yeah, lots of children. You're in this Hadari internment facility right. for how long? Probably a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks. They were getting us ready to be shipped. And what were you thinking? If you can, I know it's hard to go back and, and try to reconstruct this, but you're a child. All these people are gathered. They're in this facility. What was going through your mind as a child, do you think? Well, the psychology that has been derived from that is uh, the, pretty much what was my reality. It was There was nothing that was to wonder about. I took things as they happened. It's, uh, it's what was there, and that was it. And uh, I was not wondering why it happened. I was adjusting to the fact that it was there and it was happening. And I think you told me that people who studied the reaction of kids who were going through this had the same, this was a typical kind of reaction that you accepted the reality of what was there. There was not a lot of fear. No, no fear at all. And uh, that's astounding to me. Well, I know that would be astounding. It took me a long time to find uh, psychiatrists that had analyzed this situation, and finally I found out that they had figured it out. And what was, what's the explanation, do you think? I, I don't know. I think it has to do with the fact that uh, as a child, you don't have a preconceived sense of the world as you would be as an adult. As such, everything that happens is, uh, is just a uh, happening. And do you remember the reaction and the emotional state of your parents waiting in this facility? Did you have any sense about any fear that they might have had. Well, they were obviously concerned, no question about that. Didn't know what happened next. Uh, I think we were told that there were the group that we were with were all had uh, Spanish and Portuguese passports, and they said basically they were going to take us to our countries. Ah, so you had the impression, as did the other people, that you were going to Portugal. Right. I see. And as a matter of fact, there was a previous group that had been deported and ended up in Spain. So there was a bit of a history there. But that's not actually what happened, was it? No. What happened was they took you to the transit part of the of Bergen-Belsen, and uh, presumably you would be repatriated from there to your uh, home country. And how did Bergen-Belsen, which is a concentration camp, how did you get there? Well, we were put on a train which was basically uh, cattle wagons. Mm -hmm. And there were maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 people to the, per wagon. And uh, we were very lucky because the Red Cross was able to give us uh, food packages. Hmm. And uh, I remember very well the, uh, the cattle wagons have little windows up near the top, mm -hmm. and uh, they had trucks running parallel to the railroad, 
at a place where the road and the railroad were very close together and they can start throwing packages mm. through there and we ended up getting quite a few food packages that was very important for survival. And how did they, how were they able to do that when the Germans were operating the train? Well, they allowed, in those days, the earlier days, they allowed Red Cross to uh, come and, uh, and contribute because we got Red Cross packages also at the concentration, at Bergen-Belsen, we got uh, mm. Packages for a while, and I mean that was after the that was April '44. But uh, later on that year, the Germans themselves were in pretty bad shape as far as food goes, and food became very scarce. Yeah. Our quality of eating deteriorated dramatically over a period of time. So, twelve days you're on a train. There are no toilet facilities, are there? No, just a big can for for using as a toilet and uh, some uh, water jugs and uh, there were very small windows near the top of the car. It was a cattle car. The train that took you to Bergen-Belsen actually that train split and if you can if you if you could talk about what happened so you got on a train on the way to Bergen-Belsen, and what happened? Well, we were not the only group of people on that train. There were another group of Athenian Jews that were in another part of that train, but they did not have the foreign citizenships that we had, like Portuguese and uh, Spanish passports. When we went, my understanding is when we went to Belgrade or through Belgrade. Where is Belgrade? Well, it's the capital of Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. The train was uh, split where the uh, people that had the foreign passports stayed on the train towards Bergen-Belsen but the people that did not have the uh, foreign passports were sent to Auschwitz and uh, exterminated. So that's about as close as you come to seeing the difference between having the passports and not having the passports. It was a matter of life and death. When you were on the train, were you aware that... It, the train had split and the other part of the train went to Auschwitz. No, I don't think we had an idea about, uh, about that because we had lost completely contact with the other uh, group of uh, Jewish families that were uh, incarcerated in a different place than we were. And, and, but you remember the train stopping? Oh, yes, we remember the train stopping, and I don't remember whether it stopped for a, a whole day or for a long time, anyway, in Belgrade. But we had no idea what happened to the uh, other part of the train at the time. We had no idea what Auschwitz was to begin with, in, you know, at that time. Had you heard about Auschwitz? No. Never did. I mean, we had not heard anything 
about extermination camps, period. Turns out that uh, my father's brother and his family with uh, two kids were on that other part of the train. And uh, we, of course, never saw them again. Stay tuned for part three, Life in a Concentration Camp, as this series, Through the Eyes of a Child, continues. (laughs) ¶¶